Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Get the inside scoop on how to help your child become successful in and out of school. As parents, we know that your child can sometimes forget to share the notes from their backpack. That's why we've launched this podcast just for you. Welcome to today's episode of Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. I'm Lawanda Tony, And I'm Helen Westmoreland, and we're your co-hosts. Throughout this show, and especially during the pandemic, we've talked a lot about academics. But what about the arts? I'm so excited we're talking about this today, Helen. I think it's so important that families foster their children's creativity right now. And we have a guest whose story is sure to inspire our listeners. Arts education has been a priority for National PTA for a long time. And our Reflections program has provided opportunities for kids to express themselves and share their artistic talents. Participation in the program has shaped the lives of many young artists, and we are so fortunate to have one of those artists here with us today. That's right, Luanda. We have got the incredible Julian Bass with us today. Despite being only 20 years old, Julian has over nine years of experience and has garnered numerous film and visual effects awards. Julian's talents include on-screen acting, voiceovers, singing, producing, writing, directing, and visual effects editing. He won first place in the National PTA's Teen Reflections video competition, not once, but twice, in 2013 and 2017, and his winning works were on national display at the United States Department of Education. Julian has cultivated a digital presence that has allowed his talents to be shared across multiple platforms and seen by millions of people. His recent works, Ant-Man and Favorite Heroes, went viral on TikTok and led Julian to connect with a big entertainment audience, including a lot of industry elites. Julian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. So let's dive into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you passionate about filmmaking. Yeah, I would say the best place to start is truly what I'm interested in, because I guess that's really what gets people inspired to do something. And it started for me. I was a huge cartoon fan and I watched a lot of the DC superhero shows. I watched all the Justice League stuff. And at a point when you're a kid, you want to give yourself superpowers. You want to fly like Superman. You want to (laughs) do all this crazy stuff. As an adult, you want to do that too. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) it hasn't gone away clearly because I keep doing these in my videos. So I don't think it'll ever go away. I remember distinctly my dad, he was teaching and he used a green screen for the first time to do this online course and was in this lecture hall. And I was like, how did he do that? That was some stuff I've never seen outside of Hollywood. And I didn't even understand how that was possible. So it got me interested. And I started learning that oh man, maybe I can give myself superpowers, really cool stuff. (laughs) And all this is happening as like 10, 11 years old. I think what it was for me was partly my dad, partly the way that I was just growing up on these cartoons and stuff. And every video I made subsequently was just me trying to give myself some sort of superpower because that's how I felt I could be like a hero in my own respect. Yeah, I love that. I'm not sure if everyone knows, but Julian's TikTok video has been seen over 24 million times. How amazing is that? Julian, have you even processed what that means or looks like for you? 
I don't think I'll ever get to the point where my brain can encompass all of that. <laughs> I think that's still crazy to me, even today. I still just haven't had time to sit back and think, whoa, that's a lot of people. I never thought a hundred people would see that video. Yeah, It was a day-to-day thing for me. It's things that I like to do. So yeah. that's really, I think, why it became so popular as well was because it came from the heart. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to put everything into trying to get Disney on the phone or something like that. And it was really just something fun. And that's what resonates with people, especially now. People need that. Mm. I'm sure your family is super proud of you. You talked about your dad teaching you how to use the green screen. We've got lots of parents who listen to this show. Could you give them a little bit of advice? How do you think families should support their own budding artists? I just had a conversation with my mom about this. This is right before that super viral video was released. We've been having family Zoom calls to keep in touch over this pandemic. Oh, and yeah. one of the questions she asked, she wanted to know, how did we do as parents? You're 20 years old now. Oh. Reflect. <laughs> and I was like, it was good. <laughs> I think one of the most glaring things, though, that we talked about that I have noticed is that no matter what... I had an interest in, they were there to support that. And I think that goes for literally anything. There was a time where I said, oh, I wanted to do archery. And then I did an archery class. I wanted to do football and I started practicing for that. And they helped support that. Wanted to sing. They helped me sing. I wanted to do videos. They were always there to support. As a parent, you don't know what's going to be the thing that your child does. You don't Mm -hmm. know if this is the step one in the story. So say I picked up the bow and arrow for the first time and then down the road, I'm in the Olympics or something. And they're like, oh, man, imagine if we hadn't supported him at that time. And so I think it's important for everybody to know that as an artist, more so than anything, there's a million opportunities to get discouraged by anyone. And mm-hmm. you can't say, oh, that's not going to be me because I'm the parent. It can sometimes easily be you because you're looking out. Everybody knows the story of the starving artist and all that jazz. And I want to include, when I say discouraging, that also includes telling people to play it safe in some cases. Mm-hmm. You want to do what's best, but you also have to have a certain amount of trust in what they believe in. I never stopped believing in what I was doing. And that is partially because of my parents. And now for a quick break. So listeners, we know many of you enjoyed the episode, What's Going On in My Kid's Brain, featuring Dr. Brandy Kenner, and you may be wanting more. You may be wondering, how does my child actually learn? What is going on in their brains and bodies? And what does the research say about how we can help them develop in healthy ways? There is a great new podcast that's going to answer all these questions for you. It is called The 180, and it's produced by Turnaround for Children with host Chris Reback. In each episode, Chris has a conversation with a leading scholar to explore ideas for transforming the education system so all children can thrive. I've recently listened to the two-part episode with Margaret Beale Spencer. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. In that episode and all their others, they discuss relevant topics like where resilience comes from, what gets in the way of learning, how identity gets formed, and how we as parents and schools together can help children surmount the hurdles they face. You can listen to The 180 wherever you find podcasts or at turnaroundusa.org slash podcast. And now back to our program. Julian, have you ever been in a creative space where you got stuck 
And if so, what advice do you have for young artists who sometimes get stuck in their creative process? The only place where I have ever found myself in a creative block has been when I've been trying to force something to happen. And I think that goes for almost anything. You only notice when you're struggling to do something creatively when a deadline is coming up and you're like, oh, I can't think of something. You're stressing about it. I think the biggest part of the creative process is allowing yourself time to not create, which will give you time to just take things in. I think Mm -hmm. creative ideas stem from truly what's observed Mm -hmm. in your community, in your environment. People create based off of what they know. And if you block yourself off from that and say I spent just days inside an effects program, I'm not going to be consuming enough for me to think of something new and creative, for Mm -hmm. me to offer my take on what I think something would look like. A great example of this was when I was doing reflections. I did it once in eighth grade and then once more in 12th grade. And I remember every year my mom would say, Julian, you should do reflections this year. The deadline's coming up, all this stuff. And I just didn't have anything. Mm. And part of the reason that I didn't necessarily do anything those years was because I don't ever want to settle. I always want to put my best foot forward. And I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I believed in the projects or the ideas that I had had for those years. But if I truly had to say I would do something differently, I would actually have done those. And I know that sounds like it goes against what I was saying earlier, but I think the reason I would do those is more so of a practice rather than trying to form a truly creative idea and and make something brand new. Mm. I see. Mm -hmm. But that's also good, going back to the question about advice for parents, of knowing when your child needs some space and that space for creativity might look very different than when you're planning for a test or planning for something else. But also what I hear you saying, Julian, is there's some discipline to it and not getting too caught up in perfectionism. And parents can probably help with that too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big thing to remember, especially you got to think too, as a parent, it's pretty much up to you to recognize these things. Because I know at the age when I was saying, no, I need a break and stuff like that, I wasn't a hundred percent cognizant of why I was doing that. But I can reflect now, hindsight 2020, I can reflect now and say, that was a pretty good idea. And I was doing that because I felt stressed by it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I went to nationals. I don't want to do this again and not. And I made it about something it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It started to become not about the art, which is probably the biggest problem that you could ever run to it as an artist is when you start caring about something other than the mm-hmm. art. I, I like that. Which is why I think I am where I am right now is because... I would still be making the same videos and the same content if it was zero people watching versus the 24 million. Yeah. You shared something, Julian, that reminded me, Lawanda and I were lucky enough to interview children's author Kwame Alexander for the show a couple of weeks ago. And he also shared, we were asking, how do you get inspiration for your stories? And he was like, literally walking and saw something. But we were talking to him a lot about the importance of representation in kids' literature and being able to see yourself, your racial identity, your home life identity, your sexual orientation, all of those things, no matter who you are as a child, just the importance of really seeing that diversity in our world. I'm curious if you have a perspective on that when it comes to the arts and how you see representation in the arts. Representation in arts for me has been a little all over the place. So what I tend to see Mm. in the film industry is there's lots of black actors, but it's the token and things like that and all these tropes. 
usually there's one guy, the one black guy mm. for every time that there's a hero. It's been like Will Smith a lot of times or The Rock and maybe Denzel Washington. And so in the realm of actors, it's almost like, oh, you got to take turns. You can't ever be a part of an ensemble movie. That's not what I was used to seeing, especially for superheroes. I think about when I was young, young, there was, I guess, Blade and Spawn, who were the only black superheroes in movies at the time. So it wasn't really too great. It wasn't mm -hmm. as uplifting as Spider-Man, and it wasn't anything I was really allowed to watch. And then, of mm -hmm. course, in what I do now in VFX, there was absolutely no one. Not a single person who looked like me mm. doing what I was doing, at least not where I was looking. And even as I started to grow and look for jobs at production houses. So not a lot has changed, at least in that space. And one of the things I've learned is that there's a tremendous interest from the people who comment on my videos and send me messages and things like that and say, how do you do this? How do you do that? That's so cool. I want to get into video editing. And these are kids that look like me. I see myself in these students and these young creators, but it's not like there isn't an interest mm. because I've seen it with my own eyes. Or the talent. The interest and the talent are there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've seen the most amazing stuff. And I'm like, why isn't anybody seeing this right now? This is insane, incredible. And the way to change that, if I have to offer my opinion on it, yes. is to really implement more opportunities for these people, whether they're students or not. And I think it starts young. So I would say start with students. If there was a computer lab or if there was a video space, a student production house, that's one of the things I've been talking about actually with my agents too. What can I do to help people like me who mm -hmm. don't have the resources that I had? get to a point where I am. Because I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. There's 7 billion people out there. You mean to tell me that I'm the only one who was able to crack the code? And no, there's just people who don't have the resources. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that you are helping to open some of those doors and help a lot of kids who see you virally say, hey, he looks like me and he's making these effects. Maybe I can look into it and see what I can do. They also see you connecting with industry elites like the CEO of Disney. Yeah. And hopefully they're starting to have different conversations. What was that conversation like? I mean, you don't have to tell us exactly what you guys talked about. No, tell us what? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that I have spoken with everybody. Just name a studio, name anyone. I've spoken with everyone already. Mm -hmm. Those conversations are crazy. These people are super gracious. You hear a lot of Hollywood horror stories. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason you do is because those are newsworthy. But everybody that I've mm -hmm. met down to producers and directors and studio executives, they just want to create stuff and they sigh at the fact that they need money to do it. Mm -hmm. It's a much different space than what the outside world has told me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. There's lots of people advocating for me and wanting to see me just succeed in any way. And so that's great. Yeah. It's great to have that support too. And my dad right now is my manager. My mom's not my second manager. She's occupying from the sidelines and stuff. That's another thing too. Is yeah. When I was making some of these videos and things, I didn't necessarily tell them that I was making these videos. I was like, I'm going to go out and hang out at the park or something. And then I'd post a video. And if you're getting millions of views, it's only a matter of time before your parents see you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hide for too long. <laughs> so wait, did you send them the link or did somebody else send them the link and say, I think this is your son? <laughs> there was an instance where I had done a video where I was Ben 10 
Ben Tennyson from this Cartoon Network show. And mm-hmm. they were like, Julian, why are we getting text messages about you? You made a new video? And it's not like they didn't know I made videos, but they didn't necessarily know that I was doing the social media stuff because that was just a harder thing for them to understand. My dad used to always say, likes don't buy you food. And it was like, obviously, you can't buy things with likes, but some people make that into a career. And it was just hard. You can't talk back to your parents. So they weren't going to allow me to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, nothing has ever stopped me from creating. And so that's what I did naturally. Now it's clearer to them that there is longevity and security and a career in this and something that my dad is just for the first time being like, oh, you can get paid to do a post on a social media site just because of an audience that you got. Yeah, it's like an ad. It's like screen time on a TV show. And that's all it is. It sounds like you guys are growing together. Your parents are learning new things, you are learning new things, and it's all because of them helping support your passion for your talent. Yeah, big time. I will say that is probably the single biggest factor in all of this, is that I'm fortunate enough to have two parents that support what I do. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that lightly at all. When I didn't see anybody doing VFX, they were the ones who told me that I could and that it was possible. Mm, That's awesome. Like I said, I saw my dad doing green screen, not somebody from a Hollywood behind-the-scenes video. (laughs) Yeah. You never know how you can influence your child. That one little thing, your dad was just doing his job and he figured out a different way to do it and you zoned in on that and built your career off of that one instance. That's pretty fascinating. And now I need to pay attention to what I'm doing around my son. (laughs) (laughs) So, Julian, we've enjoyed this conversation so much. Thanks for sharing all your experiences with us. Out of everything we discussed, what's one thing you think families should walk away from today's episode? I think the one thing is sticking together. And sticking together encompasses supporting one another, trusting one another, especially when you don't fully understand where someone's perspective is coming from. You got to understand you grow up in different times as a family. And so my experiences are different than my parents' experiences. And that's the same for every family, really. You're not going to have the same exact lives as your parents. Sure. But through that, you have to stick together. That's really great. I think that people can definitely understand that and use it. Julian, what are your social media handles and where can listeners go learn more about you and your projects? Yeah, on all of social media, I'm the Julian Bass on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and I have a website, macrobaseproductions.com, M-A-C-R-O-B-A-S-S Productions. And that's where you could see some of the work that I've done and the work that I'll continue to make. Awesome. Thank you again, Julian. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. And to our audience listening, thank you for joining us. For more resources related to today's episode, check out notesfromthebackpack.com. And if you're interested in learning more about PTA's Reflections program, you can visit pta.org slash reflections. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for tuning in to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at National PTA and online at pta.org forward slash backpack notes.